Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Um, it's Garrick here. I am not part of this interview, but it is a Wednesday before we head up north uh, to go see Jackson's wedding. Uh, Nick and I are standing in it. I just wanted to come on here and Jackson wish you and Montana a happy marriage. Uh, guys, I'm so excited for you. Morgan, my girlfriend, we feel the same way. Nick as well. You know, you're two of our best friends and we could not be happier to be standing next to you, standing behind you while you you guys tie the knot. Um, for those listening, give him a good congrats over on Instagram. The episode, I, so I was not in this episode right now. It's just a, a recap of Ironman Mallorca with the women's champion, Ruth Assel. She's been on the podcast before. I haven't listened to this. Uh, it's late Wednesday, so I am just um, jumping on here for an intro. Guys, enjoy the interview. Jack and Montana, once again, uh, congratulations. I hope everything goes smoothly and the weather is great. It looks like it's going to be great. So see you guys then. And without further ado, Ruth Astle. All right, so we are here with Ironman Mallorca champion in under nine hours, Ruth Astle, which I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But thank you so much for joining us, Ruth. Thanks. Thanks for having me back on. It's nice to be back. Yeah, so we had Ruth on last year. We're going to brag about this again. We had her on probably over a year ago and we were kind of like, yep, this, you know, she's going to crush it. She's going to do amazing things it was in long Zwift, course. Right? Yeah. It was when we were doing Zwift racing and everybody was kind of trying to find something to do. And now you've just won your first Ironman. So let's go your first Ironman as a pro that is let's go back to kind of last year and like what's happened between then and now in your training. Has you, have you moved? Have you had the same coach? Like how have things been going and you know, uh, ups and downs I guess anything that sticks out to you yeah so I guess it's probably more of like the last two years I'd say that have been some of the kind of key moments and changes um so actually post my age group win in Kona in 2019 well actually kind of around that time uh, I was also going through a divorce which uh, I spoke about when I did my first pro Ironman in Australia uh, so I guess that was quite a big life change and then kind of off the back of that just before covid or like around covid i moved up to leeds so i guess i've kind of from london so i've sort of completely changed my training environment um which i think has definitely it's definitely played a part on some of my training i think like the bike i've obviously got like a bigger group of all the athletes there to ride with and like different people on different days swim wise I've been getting some coaching from a swim coach up there that's definitely had a massive impact on my swim and again like different groups to swim with um so yeah I think like the move to Leeds has probably been the biggest change in terms of like impact on triathlon is Leeds like the boulder of the UK <laughs> Leeds is way better than boulder as if you can't compare um but yeah no I think so I think so in the UK there's probably two real triathlon hubs there's like Leeds and Loughborough 
um which have come from like the itu guys of like where they base themselves but you're definitely starting to get more of like the long course athletes base themselves kind of around there as well just because of the setup and the training do they have like the brownlee center for excellence there yet or anything uh, there is actually a brown center in Leeds, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's we're, we're not allowed in there. If you're not ITU, then you're not allowed to near any of that stuff. So. Oh, dang it. Well, Tim. yeah, so that obviously seems like it was a huge, uh, huge change. And, and then that, that would be the time you went full-time into pro racing, right? Is that, or did you have any other work on the go or did you just kind of jump into triathlon full-time? uh no so I'm still actually working two days a week for Lloyd's so I've never actually given that up like initially when I went pro like end of 2019 2020 I was going to take a sabbatical um thankfully I didn't because then obviously Covid hit and if I'd taken a sabbatical I would have been absolutely fucked I would have to swear yeah okay good (laughs) Um, two days a week seems great like for some people yeah um like I think a lot of pros think that they need to only do triathlon and only have sponsors, but especially when you're a new pro, like you were, then you obviously knew you'd have way more bang for your buck time-wise by doing that, um, working for lawyers in a field that you have experience in. Yeah. And I think it's, um, well, a like Lloyd's are super flexible with me. Like I've been there since I graduated. So they could like, they know me, I know the team that I work with really well uh see so I'm like splitting that 14 hours across the week so it's really flexible um and I think when you come from like working in a corporate environment like I was working like 60 hours a week before like and training so like you're used to being really really busy I, like I would really struggle if I was just training you're doing what like 25 hours a week yeah what are you going to do with the rest of your time like I'd just be so bored <laughs> so <laughs> it's, yeah. it's good cool well that's awesome um so yeah so you had a, you know, you build up your training and then you had some good results. Like you, this year, um, you were, you had a fairly solid day in Tulsa and then you had a DNF at your last race in Nice, but like, how did you feel the season had gone up to this point in like any of those races, anything key that sticks out? Were there any injuries or anything like that? Yeah. So I guess Tulsa, I was like, it was a race of two halves, really. Like I was really disappointed with my bike. Um, I'd actually, that was the first time that I'd been to altitude before Tulsa. And I think because we were quite high initially, we were in New Mexico. Um, I wasn't really able to do anything with power. So I think like I kind of, most of my riding was really aerobic and I think I lost that edge off my riding. Um, but then the flip side of that was like, I had my best run. So I did like a 302 marathon, which uh off the back of because I was injured at the end of 2020 so I didn't finish Daytona either um (laughs) I had this Achilles injury so I think I was happy with the Tulsa run in terms of putting together a good block and yeah I think it was like it was a really good field I came seventh I think on like a really good day I would hope to do better but for kind of my second pro actually it it was my third pro Ironman race um uh, yeah I was kind of happy to kind of get the experience and, and see how that went then there was like a couple of domestic races in the UK that the PTO was supporting which um yeah they went all right like nothing. yeah they're like they were like nothing magic but it was good to have local racing and obviously there are so many strong Brits so um just being able to race them was was fun and um yeah Nice 
so going into Nice, like I was oh, it, like it was really frustrating. So I've been doing such a good block of training, and then two weeks before Nice, I was like halfway through a long tempo run, stopped to get a bit of water, started again, and my calf just completely tightened, and I was like, I'm gonna have to stop. So I had two weeks of no running before Nice. And I was like, I'm just going to go anyway. Like I knew a few people going, it's a great course. And I was like, maybe my calf will magically be okay. But I was like, either way, at least I get to swim and bike and kind of see where that's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, as soon as I started the run in Nice, I was like, no, calf isn't good, not worth it. And I knew that I had Mallorca, so I wanted to keep it for that. But I still then had probably like another, another two weeks of not running. Um, I did a little bit on the underwater treadmill, but very limited. So I'd say like my last like six, seven weeks build up to Mallorca, I did about six actual runs. <laughs> uh, so I was wow. very unsure how that was going to go. That's incredible. And it looks like Nice, I'm just looking it up here, was on September 12th. So that wasn't even that long. That's so, such mm. a short turnaround. Like that's five weeks. So um, yeah, amazing. I mean, you and you ran well obviously in uh, Mallorca you have to run well to win an Ironman unless you're like 20 minutes mm. ahead so um so so going to Mallorca then now we're finally at the race it's probably everybody yep. wanted to uh to hear about so it looks like there you know obviously we're a couple really strong swimmers uh that I'm sure you expected to be out the front but that was uh Fenella Langridge and Lisa Norton and they swam yep. pretty fast like 49 they were like almost the same speed as like the big pack of the men's race. So they were obviously really moving. Um, and then I think there was one woman kind of in the middle and then it was like a second group, which had you, and that was 55 ish minutes. So was that a good swim for you? A good start or how did that play against your kind of expectations? Uh, yeah, that's probably about the best swim that I could have imagined on that day. Um, so yeah, I think anyone that's followed me at all knows that the swim is my absolute weakness and something that I've been working really hard on. Uh, I think my PB before this race was in Roth as an age grouper in 2019, when obviously I had loads of people to swim with, and that was like 58 and a half. So yeah, it's like a massive swim PB for me. I think mainly just to be able to swim with the group. Like I've never been able to do that before. (laughs) So for me, that was a real novelty. And I was like, oh, now I see why people are like, yeah, like get on some feet. It's really easy. Like most of that swim felt really comfortable um so yeah you have to dodge a lot of traffic on that second lap and break up the groups and yeah the like honestly I know that Ironman were a bit restricted with um with their timing of having to do the 7.3 and the Ironman on the same day but giving us 29 minutes to get around the first loop before they set off all the 7.3 age group athletes uh meant that we like our group on that second lap got massively broke up so there were just huge packs of men like just swimming through us breaking it up like someone tried to dunk me at a boy (laughs) (laughs) trying to like punch him in the head I was like get out like because it also it's really obvious with the different colored swim hats that we are the pro female race it's like I get they've got their own race they're trying to go fast but like don't interfere with our race is all I ask like just keep out the way keep a bit to the side um so yeah that was really annoying but actually it was more annoying on the bike um because like the swim you kind of well maybe not generally as a as a pro female because often there's like five or six of us racing so actually often it is quite quiet on the swim but um 
you expect it a bit more in the swim to get a bit of traffic and get a bit beaten up but yeah, yeah they were definitely more annoying on the bike <laughs> yeah plus the swim is like i guess draft legal right in yeah. in a sense so you know people are getting in your way but at least you can kind of get a boost going by them or something but on the bike obviously it makes it difficult yeah. so we'll get to that that piece uh very very soon so like you got out of the swim you're about five and a half probably minutes down off of the you know the front of the race and did you just kind of r- ride really aggressively obviously you probably knew that course you knew the climb you know where how the bike play out and like before we got to the point where we were kind of doing that second loop with the age groupers mm. Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, when I came out of the swim, someone told me that I was six minutes off the lead, um, which like at that point, and well, firstly coming out with the group and then hearing the six minutes, I was like, oh, okay, that's like, yeah, as I said, kind of as good as I could have hoped for. Uh, I'd been talking to my coach, Will, beforehand about kind of tactics of the race and how to do it. Uh, and yeah, the plan was definitely go off a bit more aggressively and try and make up as much time on that first bit up the climb as possible uh but I also I had like a limit of like don't go above (laughs) uh especially on the climb so actually that first kind of 10k I then caught Sarah Spanks so we had I had a terrible t1 um (laughs) I basically like half dropped my bike running out to the mountain lion so like my shoe got knocked off I then completely missed the person waving the like mountain lion flag so I kept running like all the way around the corner with my bike because I like I didn't I thought I hadn't reached the mountain line yet and then people on the side were like you can get on your bike now I was like okay uh thank you and then like yeah I was like this is stupid but obviously like I'd much rather run past the mountain line than get on too soon um yeah so yeah, so I lost, because I think Sarah was in that group that I'd been swimming with, but I then lost time to her on that bit. So she was up the road, but I caught her, uh, yeah, around 10K when we like turned off to start the gradual drag up to the climb. Um, and we kind of had a bit of a chat and like, right, let's try and like work together, obviously in like a legal distance, but let's try and like work to catch up to the front. Um, that was working quite well, other than this little pack of like four age groupers literally sat on each other's wheel doing a chain gang like just came and like just doing that annoying thing of like they'd come past us they'd sit up a bit we're obviously trying to maintain like a normal power or like you know for us like a steady power so then we'd catch them again then they'd see that we'd catch them then they'd like it's Uh, just annoying again like just don't interfere in our race um but we then got women pass you like it's not a big yeah. deal guys you're not, not a... <laughs> apparently it is a big deal but um yeah. terrible <laughs> yeah but like then we got to the climb um and like Sarah actually just went off up the climb quite hard and I was like I've got my limit I was trying to not go over like 230 watts so, so and I was like I don't want to blow up FTP is that like just for people so like what is that 90% FTP or what that is um my ftp is like 265 so don't ask me to do the maths on the top of my head so so, oh, so like 85 percent, 80 something ish or yeah that's yeah. a pretty good limit we were so guys are pretty dumb we'll all ride at like 100 <laughs> percent. i think we rode about 100 percent ftp ish maybe like 98 it was like for 30 minutes it was mm-hmm. mine was like probably 90 uh, a little bit above 90 which was stupid was stupid 85 sounds smarter <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> and you were smart to do that for sure. Uh, and having only one other person there, like I, you're probably also calculating that the benefit you get from a one other person's not that big. Whereas if there was like a pack of 10, maybe you would have decided to go harder or would you, do you think you just stick to that no matter what? I think to be honest, like with the fact you then had the descent, I like, I'm not a great descender. So I was also a bit like, like, I don't think I would have tried ridiculously hard if it was a big pack because you then had the descent to get down anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if it had been like a climb and then a big flat bit, then, and there was a big pack, I, I probably would have tried harder. But I also know, I think for me, it's also, I know what my strengths are on the bike. And that's like when it's flatter, when it's rolling and I'm just super aero. So I kind yeah. of also, it doesn't matter if I lose a bit bit of time kind of over the climb and the descent, because I'm pretty confident in making it up as soon as we hit the bottom. Um, we spoke with Florian Angert a bit as well. And he was, you know, speaking of the same things as why didn't he, you know, go with Worth when he went by and he, he same mm -hmm. reason he, he worked too hard at Tulsa on the bike, got on the front too much and it really impacted his run. So, you know, it's easy. It's, it feels like guys have such a shorter term memory when it comes to like that, like next 30 minutes, we're like, Oh, I'm going to stay with these bastards. Even if it's like yeah. way too hard because I know I'll be in a better place. And then it's like, before we know it, we've already just overcooked that burger and it's a piece of, dirty rubber and we can't even ride our yeah. legs anymore They're just You're done. yeah yeah you did it <laughs> yeah. really smart. well yeah for sure um and sorry when you let's just just to clarify when you say what that limit was is that like you don't want to go above that at all or is that like an average for the you know 35 minute climb or whatever yeah that was probably more an average um yeah because i was also a bit limited with the gearing that i picked of like there were when there were some slightly steeper bits i had to go a bit harder because yeah. oh. Yeah, I didn't have any more gears. So, <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. We were in the same boat a little bit. I mean, that, that climb was, in my opinion, one of the best graded long duration yeah. climbs. Like, even when you do Ironman Austria, Rupertiberg is like, gosh damn, impossible. You're like at 50 RPM. This was amazing. Yeah. Super smooth, had some relief. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've just got to be comfortable descending because there's like, three spots of switchbacks where you really have to time your cornering um especially if you've got people coming up behind you so you know how did you were you nervous on a descent or were you just like find a rhythm you, you know what are your tips for descending well when you're a nervous rider uh my tips would be don't take tips from me because <laughs> you gotta I'm have really not the best you descender you made it down well enough though i mean you're still i made running. it down yeah so how far back crash. do you think you were from uh it was sarah right that you were riding with when yeah, so right the at the yeah, so at the top of the climb, Sarah and Justin. Uh, I don't, I don't know who else it was actually. It might have been Justin. It might not be enough. But there were Sarah and someone else were like maybe twenty seconds ahead of me. Um, and then at the top of the climb, someone told me that I was only two and a half minutes behind Lisa and Fenella. So I was a wow. bit like, oh, there was part of me that was like, hmm, maybe I went harder than I thought because I've made up quite a lot of time. Um. But yeah, again, so that gave me quite a boost, actually. I, was, I also was then like, I don't need to absolutely try and like take any risks on the downhill because I've already made up that much time. Um, whereas if at the top of the climb, they'd been like, I don't know, you've either lost more time or you're still at six minutes. Like maybe I would have thought I need to try a bit hard on the downhill. But yeah, like my main name was Don't Crash. Um, I'd actually, I'd done loads of, so I went out to Mallorca like two weeks before the race. 
and I did a lot of going up and down the climb and the descent because I was like it is a really important part of the course especially if you're not a really confident descender and I think like you can just improve so much from knowing the corners knowing where they are and where they're like weird so I think the main issue on them is like some of them have got really weird camber that's yeah. quite hard to judge um but yeah I was just trying to be like reasonably conservative there was obviously quite a few of the age group men like absolutely flying past um but yeah to be fair it wasn't too busy on the descent um so that was one thing I was worried about that there would be enough of them that that would catch up by that point but yeah it was it wasn't too busy for me on the descent so that was fine Good. so yeah no drama there and then obviously after that part of the course it's just rolling through towns and windy streets and it's almost like I kind of like that type of course because it gives your back a little bit of a break. It gives your mind a little bit of a reprieve from just like a long, endless road, like, you know, a Kona situation would be. So I don't know. Did, did you like that part versus that little double loop? Um, kind of mixed, I guess. I think like the little double loop suits my strengths as a rider more. Um, Cause like, yeah, if you can just be down in the bars for me, that's where I make up more time, but it is also nice having the variety. Like when I did Florida uh, last year, like that was so boring. <laughs> um, and I literally, I had to keep like trying to dangle an arm off the aero bar. Cause I was getting like such, not like cramp, but you know, and everything's just uncomfortable because you're just in that same position the whole time yeah. um but yeah there was like I like generally as a course I think it's just a great course because it's got a bit of everything um and you don't have that many like a lot of courses are either like super hilly or super flat you don't get that many that have sort of both yeah would you be okay to mention some of your nutrition stuff that you took mm -hmm. for our listeners? yeah I can do that so I actually do like a bit of a homemade mix of nutrition um, so that I can get it all in one bottle. Um, so it's basically like, uh, what is it? It's like 600 grams of maltodextrin, 150 grams or 120 grams of fructose, five grams of salt. And it's got some like MCT powder in it as well. Oh, well, that's pretty. Uh, can't good. remember exactly. 600 grams of maltodextrin? yeah that is a lot wait really that lot? And 100, so, so that's like the whole bike oh my the so whole bike yeah that's that's holy. like the whole um yeah so that's like over five hours wow that's a lot <laughs> so you're taking in like 200 and well 150 an hour at least then if you include the fructose mm -hmm. and all that or do you mean calories calories I, I think calories maybe i mean oh yeah that makes more sense because 600 grams would be like be like a bag 2000 yeah. over 2000 calories <laughs> yeah i can't like so it's i don't mix it so i'm taking like what the guy told me he's putting it which oh, okay, might gotcha. be why i've said it like wrong but if we were aiming for makes a lot of sense. yeah it's basically like about seven, 70 grams of carbs an hour oh yeah okay yeah <clears throat> that's a good that's a good number i think for a yeah. lot of people and you just have that in one bottle and then the rest is mostly just like fluids? Yeah, so I had that on the thin on the back on my shiv. Yeah, so the, the one bottle of all the carbs on the back and then I use my front water bottle and top it up and just use uh, like the precision hydration 
1500 tablets um to get a bit more electrolytes in that's perfect mm. yeah yeah we kind of do the same and i think it's probably uh, for me at least it's like i feel like sometimes i need calories and sometimes i need hydration and yeah. a lot some people like to mix all their bottles the same but then i'm like you're never really getting thirst quenched quite like no. you want to so that's kind of why i did it is that same kind of thing for you yeah absolutely um and yeah because the mix my carb mix ends up being really thick and syrupy um so i really need the contrast of like actual water <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice um well cool thanks, so yeah thanks for letting us know about nutrition it's always like a hot topic for like everybody mm. in the world yeah <laughs> nutrition's the most yeah. favorite thing by age groupers in the world um <laughs> so so you go get so you're doing well on the bike you're making up time where where did you kind of start catching people and what happened when you got to that second loop on the on the bike course yeah so i caught Sonella and jocelyn i think at about 100k um and i kind of sat behind for a little bit and then i was in my head i was thinking do i you know like save energy stay in this little group for a bit and like try and play it that way but then i think like a like it really didn't feel like that was that hard um and i feel like i've got my power stuff of what i want to stick to um and also I was a bit like with everything with my calf, I was like, I think I probably need to try and go a bit harder on the bike to give myself a bit of a buffer on the run, um, especially knowing how some of those girls run. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I made the decision to just keep going. And I was like, I knew that they might decide to kind of stick with me. Um, but yeah, I, so I just sort of went for it. I maybe sat with them for about five minutes and then decided to go. Um, and yeah, like most of them that kind of the two loops at the bottom uh i was kind of trying to chase down lisa um i think i was like catching her a fair bit for a while and then i think she actually put more time into me at the back end of the of the course but yeah just concentrating on like keep aero keep smooth obviously by that point i then had the camera bike with me quite a lot so in some ways that kind of adds the pressure of like <laughs> like it's good in some ways because you're always thinking oh like people might be watching so i need to really make sure that i'm keeping my position well and like not doing anything stupid <laughs> oh, yeah. so that people aren't they, laughing at me on the live they pick you apart so hard because they got nothing else to really talk about they're like oh look at her her pointer fingers a little tight maybe she's cramping she's cramping <laughs> it's like some weird bullshit yeah <laughs> they got to talk for eight hours about four different people that they have on the screen so yeah i like yeah. I, I don't know how they do it to be honest it's yeah impressive impressive endurance of talking for that long yeah <laughs> so so one last thing before we move off the bike like how did you feel about the course in general would you come back and because of that course does it suit you and like i don't know was it as dirty as it was for the men's race so i think um i would come back and do it if there wasn't a 70.3 on the same day and if they gave the women a proper gap on the between the age groupers so i think you know, it's something that a lot of female pros have talked about before. Um, but I think it was especially bad in this race, A, because the gap to the pro men was so short. So actually, you know, like I caught some pro men on the swim, like yeah. that's that shouldn't happen. Um, but I think the field was so big, right? There was quite a lot of uh, like new age group, uh, new age group, new pro men. Um, and I think then we only had 
think they only gave us them four minutes back to the age groupers starting the Ironman. So obviously you're going to get like some of the good age group men that are like going to catch the women. And I think especially on a course like that, as soon as you're over the climb and down the descent, there were some really big packs of age group men cycling around, which then does impact like the women's race more because either like some of the women get caught up in it or like can get kind of dragged along a little bit, you know, like I, after I'd, I think like coming in on the last 20K, sort of when I'd gone past Fenella and Jocelyn, I put in, you know, like a, a bit of a gap to, I think, you know, over a minute to Jocelyn at one point. And then on that last, like really flat 20K, this big group of like, maybe like 12 age group men who were like literally on each other's wheels came past. Um, and Jocelyn was like sat off the back of them. Like she wasn't drafting them, but she was, you know, you obviously get a good benefit being sat like 12 meters behind a big group like that. So oh, yeah. I think that's the kind of impact on the female race. And again, like I've heard stories of other people further back that, uh, well, maybe not doing it as fairly, but um, definitely got yeah. pulled along. Um, but yeah, I think we need like at least half an hour before the age group is set off to actually give us a chance to have a fair race. Um, but yeah, like just like, no, like I think Jocelyn did exactly what I would do in her position of like, if people are coming past like that, you're kind of, it, it feels like, why wouldn't you use them if you're sat at a fair distance? Because you are, theoretically allowed to do it um sure and you have to because that's yeah. just part of the race dynamic that was on the day unfortunately and i agree with you like they definitely you know it felt to me like um in this particular race that the pros in general were just a total afterthought of the race mm-hmm. uh, yeah like we didn't really even have a pro meeting like we just kind of like there was all kinds of questions unanswered and it kind of just felt like we were thrown in there and then whatever happened happened. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that wasn't, especially like you said, like it affects the women's race a lot. It affected the men's race a little bit, but it's not Mm -hmm. so much, you know, men biking with us because they'll try to for a few seconds and then usually they won't, but they'll get in between guys. And then you're like, Oh, like now I have to leave that gap. And then you have to, then there's a double gap when that guy gets dropped and and stuff like Mm -hmm. that happens. So, um, it is a little too bad that that is the way it went down, but you did an amazing job handling it, obviously, because it didn't work out in your favor oh. and you still got off the bike. Um, so where, how far back from Lisa were you when you got off the bike a few minutes? Uh, four minutes. Four minutes. Okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's um, not a scary de- deficit at all. I'm sure you're like, okay. That's yeah. And to be fair, like, I kind of like, obviously she's, she's only done one Ironman before. Um, her pedigree as an athlete is obviously really good so it's a bit like I'm pretty sure she'll be running better than she ran in her first Ironman because I'm sure a lot of that was trying to pace it conservatively and you know not go off too hard but kind of based on what she did in Lake Placid I was actually fairly confident going on the run that I would catch her um as long as my calf held out yeah um but yeah I feel like there's obviously there's so many unknowns um and after the first lap she actually had like the gap had just held so we were still at four minutes after the first lap uh so I was a bit like okay it's a bit harder with three laps to go um but then quite quickly that gap started coming down on the second lap 
so then I was like okay it's fine just like keep running I felt pretty good um and I kind of thought you know if my calf can get through that first like that first lap then it's probably going to be all right for the whole the whole thing but I also knew I can't I set off like faster than I potentially thought I could hold because I was like I know with that lack of running over the last like couple of months the fitness won't be there so I'm probably going to fade in the second half so I was a bit like I'm going to try and make up a bit of that time on the first half <laughs> which is you know I probably wouldn't usually try and do that but um yeah I was kind of like for this race I kind of got to roll the dice a bit and just see what happens yeah so when did you catch her uh I think it was like 27k so it took wow. quite a while like no was, kidding yeah so that was a battle and then so you then at that point you're probably thinking like you know just keep it smooth like nobody else is too too close behind um and oh no at that point already I knew people were quite close behind like I oh. think Justine had got herself to like a minute and a half behind me at that point oh my <laughs> so, so I put... knew I was getting chased <laughs> yeah so that's brutal like that was a, a, a in the top four women were all within a few minutes by the end which is you know in an yeah. Ironman race men's or women's typically it's not that close so that's an incredible no. race I'm sure the people watching were like at the edge of their seats um so when did you kind of know, like, well, I guess you never really know, but I'm sure you, you kind of mostly just held that gap then they didn't, she didn't really make up more time for the last 10, 15. Did, yeah, probably with about 6k to go, she had bridged up to about 40 seconds behind me. Um, I didn't actually know that at the time, but I knew she was getting closer than the like just over a minute because <laughs> I went past my coach who was actually out there and he was like, he didn't even give me a gap. So before he'd been giving me the gap back to her and he then didn't, I was like, she must be really close. <laughs> he uh -oh. was basically like, just keep running. I was like, oh God, she's going to be right there. But then obviously oh, with the out and backs, you could see a little bit. Yeah. Um, but she then had to take a toilet stop. Um, Excellent. Which was also apparently a bit controversial because she basically just went behind a rock on live TV. But uh -oh. um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so actually when I finished Paul K was like it's kind of under review and there's a small chance they might disqualify her because obviously you're not actually allowed to do that um yeah. but I'm glad they I'm glad they didn't because to be honest the aid stations on that run course were an absolute joke so yeah that um, was crazy yeah. so it was what between the closest one was like maybe two and a half k between the two but the other gaps were like three yeah. to five k yeah you like insane. not good like the first, especially on the first bit running out of T2, it was like four and a half, five K to get to the first aid station. Oh, brutal. I was literally yeah. like, where is it? <laughs> we were promised aid stations every two and a half K. And that was not that it was like a really hot day or anything, but that was the hottest section because yeah. we were kind of with a tailwind and it was exposed in the sun. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, it was tough. So, um, yeah, like... <laughs> did obviously they they got rid of one of the planned aid stations like last minute did you know that before the race and like were you you so no. you had planned to have them every two and a half k but they were ever yeah. like four yeah that was yeah which, yeah and that definitely impacted a little bit because it basically meant when i then got to the first aid station by that point i was like i'm really thirsty because i'd probably i'd run out of water with maybe like 15 minutes left on the bike um so by that point I've then been going for like that's like 30 minutes, at least. minutes without yeah. 
water so then I was like super part so then I didn't I forgot to pick up any gels so then by the time I got to like the next aid station which then about 8k by that point I was actually starting to be a bit like oh I don't feel quite so great and then I was like oh it's because I've not had any gels so then I like picked up a couple of Morton gels and I was fine after that but yeah good Hmm. well yeah I mean obviously there's a few things about the way this race was organized that weren't super great for anyone really i mean age groupers would have i think i was thinking about it on the course like if mm. you have you know a, an age group who's trying to finish their iron man and it's taking them you know whether whatever they're running eight minutes a k or something like they're they're like That's 30 40 time. minutes between eight stations it's yeah. it's not really safe in my opinion and it wasn't super hot but it was hot enough that you definitely mm. needed fluids and i and at the special needs station like i always put some stuff there like i didn't even know where it was there was nothing to indicate it and i looked over there finally on the third loop and i was like oh shit it's right there and then they were all like spread out there was no numbering system i was like screaming out my number and it took about two minutes to find it because that's when i was you know that was probably 10 minutes before i actually blacked out um but it was just chaos Mm -hmm. in every aspect of the word out there um yeah yeah and like some of the aid stations had run out of coke yeah uh yeah also the yeah not the best it's a shame because i actually i think the aid stations on the bike were really good and like that's probably the first race where i've managed to pick up a bottle at every single aid station like the way they were holding them they'd clearly been told like this is a good way of holding them yeah to make sure people get it um whereas like florida on the other hand like literally Thank you. Um, every single bottle. I like. I missed like three aid stations because partly because it was so fast as well. But like, literally every single bottle was like bosh, bosh, bosh on the floor. So yeah, yeah. yeah. We, and like, I think the volunteers were obviously like trying really hard. You know, they were then trying to stand. I think they realised there weren't enough aid stations, and they were trying to stand in the middle and give you water on your way back on like the couple of out and back ones. Um, yeah. but then that was kind of a bit of carnage as well because then there were like yeah. people trying to get across and get stuff and yeah yeah i mean we should just mention that the actual volunteers at the aid stations everyone on the course were fantastic yeah. um like you mentioned the bike aid station and i agree the run aid station volunteers were the best i've seen mm-hmm. in terms of being really on it trying to help everyone so that was great it was just in my opinion iron man needed to get more volunteers for the aid yeah. stations and there's probably a, difficulties to find enough volunteers right like so it's it's not always as easy and yeah mm. sure they did their best so it's just one of those things that was a bit tough but um amazing like honestly amazing performance under nine on that course like that's a freaking hard course it's like if you're european that's probably like oh it's an average course you know most of our <laughs> listeners are definitely north american that thing was brutal the bike course like insanely hard overall just with how much time you lose because you all the descents here mm. in north america you just on the descent and you maintain your speed you're breaking down to like almost zero on all those switchbacks like it's really really a a tough day Mm. so that was uh an awesome performance and by far obviously your best you you went way up in the rankings not that you know whatever you probably should have got more points than you did but yeah Yeah, i was gonna say apparently not that good a performance according to torsten but unfortunately it you know i think it was worth more than that but at least you know you did still get more than you had before and once you get more and more good results you'll start magically getting more beneficial points um so that'll be nice um but yeah anything Mm -hmm. else what's planned for you next like 
does this like motivate you big time to go race in like a week? Like uh, some people do, or are you... <laughs> no. oh, actually I will I'll add to that. I already know. Cause day after the race, we all went out and had dinner and a couple of drinks. And apparently I was getting up for my flight before Ruth and her group were even in bed yet. So <laughs> oh, you yeah. yeah, you missed out. You should have stayed out. <laughs> they know, they know how to party over there and mm. you know, Britain or wherever the heck they're, they're living. They weren't in Britain at the time. It's Mallorca and that's like a party area. So I guess maybe that's even extra, but anyways, yeah. besides that, what's next for you? What are your plans and you know, how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, definite off season now. Um, so yeah, that'll involve like three weeks of kind of just doing what I feel like probably be a bit of gravel biking, a bit of, who knows what else um I will keep swimming because I'm not the kind of person that can afford to stop swimming um so I'm not really swimming this week so I'm a bit I'm like traveling around a bit and it's a bit hard but um next week I'll be back in the pool like five times to make sure I keep my swim progress going um and then yeah I think there's like maybe a bit of potential um I've heard a rumor that Xterra world champs is going to go ahead um oh, could be tempted potentially uh, uh i don't actually even have a mountain bike at the moment but um so yeah awesome. we'll see Holy maybe shit. that that's awesome that'll get <laughs> your bike handling skills a little bit more notched up kind of what i thought right i was like it's a win-win situation like trying to do a bit of mountain biking help the bike handling generally and just go and do something fun so yeah i mean i don't know if i don't know if it's 100 percent confirmed it will happen but um maybe that if not it'll just be winter training probably try and get away for a camp in january to escape the lovely british weather um and then just the date of that race by the way that mountain bike championship xterra i think it's the 7th of december sometime around that it's like one of the first weekends in december oh wow they pushed it back quite a bit yeah because normally it's like the week after two weeks after kona usually oh yeah yeah so yeah i think they initially pushed it back yeah Yeah. but we'll see um and then yeah build for st george basically uh try and do a couple of 7.3s before that um definitely go out for some altitude training before that and potentially i might try and do um i might try and combine some altitude training with some of the like american gravel races as well so quite like to quite enjoyed my little gravel race that i did in england the other week so um yeah might do a bit more of that well let us know if you do any of those because odds are Mm -hmm. i i jump into some a lot of gravel stuff um belgian waffles and some of the iconic ones too there's in if you come up to utah it's there's a lot of good gravel okay that's good to know so you were mentioning for uh in terms of your strengths on the bike that you when you can be aero and you can be kind of at top speed you're that's where you make up a lot of time. Um, St. George course is really great for that because although there's a lot of climbing, all the descending's fast, your arrow, almost the mm-hmm. whole race, even the climbs are not so steep that like a lot of the time you're still arrow. And I think, you know, you're just going to crush that, that oh, race. Yeah. So is that, you know, going to be like an, a race for you for next year? Yeah, definitely. And I think like St. George, potentially I might like roll the dice a bit more in terms of you know, I might take a few more risks than I than I potentially will at Kona, um, yeah. just to kind of see what happens. Because I think for me, 
uh yeah like obviously it'll be my first pro championship race so it's kind of you know in, in some ways it should be much better for me because there'll be so many more women that I can swim with so I should actually have like a good pack mm-hmm. um and then yeah I'll definitely be trying to like max the bike and just uh hopefully you know with hope for this calf injury is kind of over it now and get a good block of running in and then yeah I'd hope to be quite competitive really but well, we'll see. You have rest rest in a lot of al- alcohol is a good recovery for the calf I heard booze <laughs> is that what you heard yeah I heard that I think yeah I heard alcohol and chocolate is the best recovery yeah. tools oh yeah <laughs> Brett Sutton makes their, his athletes just chug the old Swiss chocolate after every injury <laughs> and then they put Bailey's in it uh, <laughs> sounds good uh, but we can't thank you enough for coming on and talking about your day and I mean for obviously for us too we're geeks of the sport we love hearing about the women's race since you know we're not part of that and there's also mm-hmm. like so many more dynamics that you know it's it's you you all are often much more alone all the time to where the guys are just it's a mm-hmm. bit of a faff for them a lot of it sitting up and not doing anything and feigning a a loose shoe or a tight back and the groups are very surgy <laughs> it's just it's kind of annoying like i wish we could just yeah bury our heads and be solo and not have to worry about a lot of the world around us i mean of course you have the opposite hand where you've got to worry about the age group race impacting your race um so i do feel for you hardcore on that it's got to be tough but, mm. but you know you're very you know your honesty is awesome too like we love hearing some dirt on how shit could have been better um but yeah we'll we'll see if maybe in Lanzarote in in January or something for camp because I think I'm planning to go do that and then uh at St. George when you come rip its face off yeah be awesome yeah should be fun it'll be good all right but yeah good luck with the off season enjoy good luck with that that exterior race if you do it thanks for coming on and we'll uh we'll have you back on once a year and each time it'll be like next level and one of the times you'll win Kona or any of those races and you, know, <laughs> you can't about forget us. about us then yeah. okay yeah but I feel like next time we should just do this over a bottle of wine with dinner yeah oh, that would be way better and then we just forget that it's on and then we just get some real yeah. good content then you get all the dirt yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and all the gossip that's the idea we're gonna do that at a race sometime we gotta we're gonna get a great here. idea gonna get pissed and record yeah awesome <laughs> all right Thank thanks you. guys yeah thanks right let's de-record this now oh yeah cool that was (laughs) awesome i got ish to do flying through the sky in my parachute dancing on the couch like i'm tommy cruise on a one-man mission trying to see